This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb. I'm Rich Levine. We're talking on a Thursday afternoon. The Celtics are 20 and 20. It feels more like 20 and 200. Uh, after, four, <laughs> after four straight wins before the All-Star break, uh, Boston has now lost three of four. B-Rob, catch this. They're currently a half game back of the Charlotte Hornets, tied with the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference standings uh, with one week before the trade deadline. Danny Ainge running out of time to save this season. We're going to talk about it all today. Uh, B-Rob, how are you doing? I want to start with this. So we're doing this on Thursday afternoon-ish. Uh, Danny Ainge had his weekly conversation with Toucher and Rich this morning, but you also had Danny Ainge for an exclusive this week on Mass Live. Uh, very cool. What was uh, what's your biggest takeaway right now about about Danny's state of mind? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing from the interview is, which is makes plenty of sense, is Danny Ainge and his front office. They're they're focused on the big picture right now more than anything else, and I think they're frustrated by what's going on with this season with the inconsistency that they've gotten from pretty much everyone in the roster outside of Brown and Tatum and, and those guys to a degree in, in recent times. Um, but I think everyone knows, you know, the, the gravity situation of like, they have this swing and they have, you know, limitations in terms of what else they can do once they take a big swing with the TP. And so trying to balance that, trying to add a player to the core, not just for the now, but more for a guy that they can know that's going to be able to be there long-term and fit into the budget long-term uh, here with, with Tatum and Brown. I think that is, again, what they're looking for and finding that fit out there is, seems to be a challenge. And, and again, it's, it's a week till the trade deadline. A lot of action really doesn't happen most of the time until you get closer until teams lower their asking prices or gets get more realistic about, you know, what they want to do. But I think that's the thing rich right now is that like that waiting game is, is tough. And especially as the team, as you mentioned is, you know, kind of stuck in neutral as far as the season goes. Yeah. I think from a Celtics fan perspective, you just want to know how much to care, right? Like, right. you know, you, you know, like you wish you could just fast forward to next Thursday when, when, you know, the trade deadline is passed, you want to know how much you're going to invest in this season right now, because right now, if, if they don't find some, and it's funny that you say he's focused on the big picture because, you know, I think in many ways, like the, the smaller picture is the big picture because what they do this, this season is going to dictate in many ways what they can do in the future and maybe what happens with Tatum and, and, and guys like that. Um, but I don't know. It's just frustrating. That, 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 that's really what it comes down to. You wish you could get to next Thursday because you know this team as it is right now, they're, they're just not good enough. And I know we get, everyone could freak out about, you know, the, the, the Utah loss was a little bit more respectable uh, going to Cleveland and getting, they were embarrassed for part of it. They almost stole it at the end, but losing to that team, you know, on one hand, it, it, it's not certainly not the caliber the, that anyone expected from the Celtics, but when you look at the rosters and especially when, in, a, in a game when Kemba's not there and, and, and especially a game where, you know, at, at, towards the end, the Jays kind of took over, but you know, before that they were just kind of loafing through the game a little bit. I thought like, it's just not a surprise when you see that, that Shemi Ojale is playing 20 minutes a game, that Jeff Teague is still playing 15 minutes a game. You know, that's just not winning basketball. I don't care which team you're playing. Right. And yeah, you look at the, the moves that were made at the beginning of the year of like Tristan Thompson, like that's a win now signing Jeff Teague. That's a guy that you, you hope that would have 
have something left in the tank to help you win right away and counteract the loss of Hayward and stuff like that. So the moves before the year indicated that this year was still a priority. They hoped it would be a priority. Now it's, you've seen enough good things like from Tatum and Brown where you would say like, yeah, this is when everyone's together and, and with Rob Williams on the rise, like who knows what this group can do that this group has a history of raising their level in the postseason. But at the same time, if you're going to have like running Tatum and Brown into the ground right now, playing them 40 minutes a night on back-to-backs where they have to chase around Garland and then carry the offense in the other way, because there's just not enough support on around them. Like that seems like, you know, standing pat with that, with this group right now, just doesn't seem like the best solution either. So whether it's, you know, trending more towards the young guys or giving those guys some help, even without the TPE, I think, you know, keeping the chemistry, it's not like there's nothing to maintain of this chemistry in this group right now. It just doesn't seem to be working. Yeah. And, Dan- and Danny sort of admitted as much to you and, and, and around the, you know, his, his calls this week that just like, for whatever he said, I like our players, but maybe they're just not the best fit. <laughs> and one thing I thought was interesting that he had mentioned in, in your interview is he, he says uh, some guys are thrown into roles that have responded and some guys haven't as well. Who do you, who are the guys that haven't responded as well? That have been thrown into roles. Do you think? Is that like, is, I can't all just be Teague and Tristan because I know, because even when you were talking earlier about how, Oh yeah, you're bringing Teague and you're hoping that's like a win now move. Like, I don't think anyone was, no one was kind of clamoring for Jeff Teague. No one even as, but before he was even on the Celtics radar, when you're looking at the potential free agents or guys that you could bring in, no one's like, Ooh, you know, Jeff Teague would really be a difference maker for, for a team like this right now. It was, it was sort that move is sort of like a, it was okay, a low risk flyer. Yeah. There's no one else out there. Maybe we'd like to have a veteran point guard who could help out, you know, once in a while, but you were never like, okay. It wasn't like they bringing in Jason Terry back in 2012. Um, and not that that worked out very well either, but like that wasn't the vibe you got with with Jeff T. Um, so yeah, so who are those guys? Do you think that he sees that just haven't responded? I think, I mean, you got to start with Graham Williams, right? Um, he's like hitting threes, well, but as far as I think defensively, he's taken a huge step back this year, and he's been thrown into the, you know, not the having to play the three four type role defensively and that just has not worked well for him and he he works his butt off at it but whether it's from a speed standpoint or you know officials kind of picking on him for doing you know the some ticky tack stuff but he he has not been good and that's something i think this year they had pretty high hopes for in terms of what we saw from him last postseason and the growth he made and he's he's made some gains in his, his offense part of the game but it just hasn't you know translated at all in terms of someone you can rely on otherwise but i mean beyond that like who like if you look up and down the roster like i don't know like it's tough to see who else he can be talking about there no yeah like it seems beyond, to me that it's that. A, that it was that it was more it's more the players on this roster are playing up to their expectations and the roster just wasn't wasn't constructed in a way that that was really ready to to compete or to contend right i, I think that's really what it is more because even when you talk about grant like yeah maybe ideally uh, he could have stepped up this year and been a more pivotal player. But again, it's a second year guy, played four years in college, a mid 20s first round pick, limited athleticism in terms of how he can really impact the game. Like he's a guy that seems like, you know, you know, when you have six, seven, you know, really solid pros in a rotation, 
Grant Grant Williams is the guy maybe comes in off the bench as the eighth, ninth guy and can really help a good team. But right. you got to have that a really good team around him first. Right. You know, he's not he's not a guy that really moves the needle for me. And if the Celtics were expecting that from him, and we don't know if that's who Danny was talking about, but that again, that just just feels like a misread. Right. And then you look other like you couldn't be asking expecting more from Payne Pritchard. I think you know he's outplayed expectations, even though he hasn't been as anywhere as consistent lately. Shemi um, probably has too, right? Shemi, exactly. Shemi has been, you know, career high from three. I think he's made some, again, he's still very limited, but he's, you know, he's given you as much as you could hope for most nights. Um, and then, I mean, certainly not Rob Williams. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't like, think so. <laughs> like that's, so. And so not, not, not Tice either. And again, yeah, Tice so, certainly has games like, you know, last night in Cleveland where he's sort of a non-factor, but he's also Daniel Tice. You're right. also paying him five and a half million dollars for a reason. Like he's not, I you know I have a, a friend who uh, tells me all the time, the text I get from him is that the Celtics will not win a title as long as Daniel Tice is, is in their starting lineup. And I, and, and I think that that's a fair statement. Like again, t- Daniel Tice is your eighth guy. You're in a pretty good position. If he is your starting center, you're not contending for an NBA title right now. What, what do we think about Kemba in this equation in terms of just like adapting to his, like the third man role? Yeah, I, I don't. And as much as we, as everyone, and certainly I've shit on Kemba since he's been back. Like in this recent stretch, I mean, certainly they missed him last night. If anything, it was like okay, maybe you know that was a difference maker to to lose that pop. Um, but I don't know. I, I I think that he's kind of adapted all right. I don't I, that, like on the list of things that are troubling this team. You know, it doesn't seem like Kemba's inability to. To, to transition into a number three is a problem, especially when, you know, I don't think the Jays have been consistently playing like ones and twos for the last week or so. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I, I, I think that it, you continue to feel better about where Kemba is, but again, maybe it's also just not the right fit. And as you talk about, as the trade deadline comes up and I know we're going to probably do a, a, a special trade deadline episode early next week. So we can save some of that conversation for that. But like, I also think it's very possible that, the Celtics look to deal him, and, yeah. I, and I know, and I know it's more likely that it could maybe happen this summer, right? But I, 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 I certainly don't think he's untouchable. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a situation where, with the money involved, you're probably going to have to give up something with him to to get off the money, unless you're taking back a a, a questionable contract yourself. And so that's where, I mean, for the present, that's where this looms large mostly right now is for like Kemba Walker and his future in Boston. I feel like, like if he, if they turn things around and, you know, get deep into the East postseason and he plays a, a role in that, then you can say, okay, like that's, you know, he's the, the, the regimen worked. We're not playing on back to backs. That obviously really hurts in the regular season when it's a jam packed season, but big picture, if he's right in the postseason, that's what we, what we want from him. Um, so now I think you just look at the rest of the roster right now and it's like depth wise, they're not built to withstand him being out in those back-to-backs, which is not a surprise. And, and Romeo Langford is, is still out and, but him being out for half this year was not a surprise either. And so, I mean, we, we've talked about it a while, but just, they didn't, you know, they thought they had some, the, the guys that could fill into those spots enough but it just hasn't happened um, on a consistent basis. And even in that four game winning streak, it wasn't like those were super impressive wins. They were beating some undermanned teams and 
doing it in shootouts. So there wasn't like a lot to hang, hang your hat on in those games, especially looking back at how they've come out since the break now. Sure. Okay. Let me get this in, B-Rob. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football might be over. No one told Bill Belichick that. But uh, NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Uh, Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. They are your online sportsbook experts. Um, and yeah, and be right. You talk about just the depth. I, I felt it, especially when when we got the news that PJ Tucker you know, landed in, in Milwaukee. Yep. And just you think about like what that addition does to that team versus what it would do to the Celtics. And you, and you see, I, I, I just think that the Celtics would be counting on PJ Tucker a lot more than the Bucks would. Right. A key is he's another piece to a very solid veteran, you know, whether, whether he's starting or the bench, a solid front court, just a solid team where like, I think that if the Celtics acquired, acquired PJ Tucker, they just be expecting a lot more. Like he's, he's like two or three rungs. I feel like lower on the depth chart in Milwaukee than he would be in Boston, which just shows the difference between, you know, a, a contender, a legitimate contender and kind of, uh, I mean, a pretender, I think at this point. Yes. And you I mean, you just look at all, you look at the Celtics performance against the league teams around the league. And it, I think that magnifies it clearly this year. They're zero and eight against top five teams. That's why um, and they've been competitive in those games. But if you look at them as a whole, especially these last two games, the Jazz. Oh, sorry, been, sorry. O- o- and 8 against what was it? Again, so the top five teams in the league right now. So Lakers, Jazz, Nets, Sixers, and I'm forgetting one more. Whoever's the next. Because they have the one win against Milwaukee. Yeah, so they are in the top five. Oh, right oh Phoenix is the Phoenix, other one. Yeah, so Phoenix yeah. is the other one. So they lost out there. So those are like – a, that's surprising that those are the top five teams right now, first of all. <laughs> um, but second of all, you look at, and again, it's a lot of those games where they were super shorthanded. You really can't, you know, gauge fully. But in these last, against the, the Nets and the Jazz, like what was the biggest difference in those games? A, the Celtics fell apart down the stretch in the fourth, and, the, and they're the worst fourth quarter team in the league. That's a whole different equation that we can get into, <laughs> but is a, a problem. And, but two is like, the benches on those teams kick the crap out of the Celtics bench with the personnel they have. Cause you, whether it's Utah with Clarkson or Joe Ingles, who like when the starters start slow for Utah, it doesn't matter. Cause those guys can come in and, and even up the game in a, in a second or in Brooklyn where like Landry Shamit and, and even like Jeff green or whoever, like are outplaying the likes of Grant Williams and Jeff Teague and, and Peyton Pritchard. And so when you don't have much of a talent or get a margin for error in the first place in your starting five, and then you lose that kind of a talent drop off going to the bench. It's like, I don't know what you can expect Rich, in terms of competing with these groups right now, unless you make some at least supplemental additions to the depth right now. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And because again, you look, you look at, you know, the Sixers, obviously I think they they blew, um, didn't blow, but they lost that game to to Milwaukee last night. But before that, you know, they hadn't really even uh, missed a beat after Embiid went down. 
Because you have, right? You have you have a, a veteran. You got Dwight Howard. You got Bradley. You know, like legitimate guys coming off the bench to fill in, and and other stars like uh, you know Simmons and, and and Tobias who can ready can step up their game a little bit. Um, so again, like the, the 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 idea of again, I think the Celtics have been hit with maybe a few more injuries. Like, what's the how many games or, or maybe minutes have they all played together? The the, the starting the five, yeah, like yeah. not. It has to be like under fifty. It's super small, and it's and that is yeah so that's 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 the the counter argument being like okay these guys just haven't had a chance together and either when you they, they're, they're going to get a chance together that's when you know tristan thompson goes in the COVID. like someone else gets you know knocked out of the, the picture so you can't really get a, a clear look at this group as a whole for more than like a game at a time every couple of weeks here so it's it's a situation where it's harder to just say would stick with this group as is and hope for the best in terms of what's they've looked like together right now. So, I mean, Ryan Bernardoni, friend of the frequent contributor of the pod, um, tweeted about this right last night and wrote about it. And I, and I actually, so I have to give him first credit on that because he beat me to it, but he wrote about the premise of the Celtics selling. Yeah. I read that this morning. And so, and I, I wrote about it out of mass live as well this morning, uh, unknowingly, that we are both tag teaming it, but he kind of lays out the fact that, okay, if you're not going to invest now, do you think about selling? And for you, Rich, does that make any, A, is there anything to sell on this team? Right. And B, like, does that, do the the risks of that outweigh the potential rewards? Like, yeah, you're not going to get anything super big. And is that going to send, you know, not a great message to to the guys, you know, to, to Brown and Tatum who have been busting their butt most nights? Yeah, for me, I just think it comes back to what do they have to sell, right? It's like, well, it's like what if Tice or Thompson? Like, are you selling? Like, you're pretty sure, much selling. Yeah, everything. yeah, of course, yes. I in, in, in a second, you know, I, I and I and I think you have a conversation. I don't know. I mean, it, it'd be interesting. I would love to hear what the Jays think about. I mean, forget what how it looks like, how it looks on on the surface, right? Of uh, a, a quote unquote big free agent that you brought in the off season, sort of parting ways with him after a couple months. But like, I wonder how much better the Jays think that they are with Tristan Thompson. I, has, he, has he inspired a, a lot of, of confidence uh, in them? That, if so, I mean, maybe I'm an idiot. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't feel it when I watch Tristan Thompson be a part of this, this team. But yeah, I think it's, I, I think the, the bottom line is that, that Danny can't do nothing, right? Let's say you don't, you're not a buyer. You don't have, the, the opportunity doesn't arise where you think it's in your best position to be a buyer uh, uh, at this deadline. But let's just say you're selling it. That's like, like you're saying, okay, I'm going to sell all my baseball cards. And it's like shitty, uh, I don't know, Todd Van Poppel. I'm going to date myself. <laughs> you know, Todd Van Poppel. Greg, Greg Jeffries, rookie cards. Yeah, exactly. So like, like okay, great. You're, you're selling, but like who's who's buying what you what you have? Um, so that it would it would be like lesser moves. And I and 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 if if it's in the name of saying, okay, now now we're gonna after the deadline, we're gonna let Neesmith play 20 minutes a night. I don't maybe maybe the Jays don't love that, but maybe it works out. I don't know. I just don't see how it could be much worse than what you're getting right now. And I think and I think what Ryan's you know biggest point is what I agree with, which is that Danny cannot stay on the fence at this deadline. Make a move one way or the other. But once the deadline passes, either you're playing for the now or you're going to roll out the, the the young kids a little bit more, see what they have, you know. And hopefully and hopefully that includes Romeo Langford. What, what's the latest on him? 
did, did he is he potentially i uh, can't speculate about this but like is it just it's just protocol it's, it's longer it, it's protocol but it's longer than a usual contract tracing protocol which makes you worry that he did you know he he actually got it which would be obviously super unfortunate because he's been just so he'd been working his butt off all year long to get back from the wrist injury and then he's ready and then something happens so again there's no official update we don't know um but he remains, he's remains out Friday. That's all we know right now. And that would mean he's been out for, I think, eight, nine days. Um, <laughs> plus so, what? Plus a hundred. Plus, yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus, uh, plus or minus 200 more days uh, <laughs> due to the risk. So there's always yeah, another injury. It's always exactly. So that's, and that's just adds another wrinkle of like, this would have been super useful to see what he could do in these two weeks to help you figure out what you want to do from a big picture perspective and, Obviously, and those, they don't have. And that. to me, like those are the those are the guys, like these the like the lower lower level, but still got something from. And especially a guy like Romeo, who who you think can bring a little bit of energy, a little bit of defense, a little bit of attitude, you know, in on a lazy night in Cleveland on the second right. of a back to back, like maybe that's a guy who could just put a little bit more pressure on Sexton or or Garland or or or, or whatever, and just make your team a little bit better. Just give the Jays a little bit more help. Right. Um, Cause they don't want to chase around. You don't want to ask those guys to chase around uh, like the best players on the other team on a back-to-back when you're asking them to play 40 minutes a night, but there's no one else in the team that can do it right now outside of smart and even smart. I and mean, we were talking about smart and all smart has not been like defensively has not been, no. he's been looks slower. He's looks slow. Like he, he just hasn't been, he's still good, but he, he he's not anywhere close to all NBA defense this year. I feel like. Yeah, and that's maybe maybe he needs a little bit more time. We're not saying that he's that he's lost it, but like, you know, it, it's it's hard to to miss as much time as he did, uh, especially with an injury like he he missed with, and then just roll out of bed and be the Marcus Smart that we're used to. Um, but I was gonna say one other thing. Oh yeah, uh, a trend to watch, and this probably is meaningless. I, I don't know. I just think it's fun. Celtics have now lost four straight games when both Jays scored twenty five or more. I think they're two and five or two and six on the season now in games. I don't know what, I don't know what that, what that means. Uh, if those are games where they're kind of pressing a little bit or whatever it is, or maybe it just, it just goes to the lack of uh, help that they have, you know, right. uh, or maybe not, but yeah. So the, uh, the last two games, Utah and in uh, Cleveland, and then the, uh, the Pelicans loss and the, the Mavericks loss. Well, it seems like games the, in which the, the, oh, the, the Jays had 25, 25 plus, plus each. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that is, that's something good to keep an eye on here. Um, other interesting trends. Celtics have lost eight of nine on the road. Hmm. Um, they started off really well on the road this year. They did. They? they did. They were, I mean, they're eight and three out of the gate. I think they were probably four and two on the road during that sequence. Um, but since then, it has just been a complete um, shit show on the road every night. Um, and it's, you know, they've had some pretty dramatic losses, obviously in New Orleans and Dallas where, you know, it's not like they're getting their doors blown in, but they just, they haven't been able to execute in these late game situations and their own environments outside of a team against a, a Houston team that has might set the NBA record for most losses in a row at this point <laughs> there. What are they up to 18? I don't know how, how much further they have to go, but yeah. like that's, they did, they did get Christian Wood back. Right. They got Christian Wood back. So he's going to have to go for, you know, 40 and 29 to, to, get, to get them out of that streak. But that's, you, you look at that and it's like, does that, what does that say to you? Especially in a year, is that just like COVID year? There's just no juice in the crowd. 
they're probably playing a lot of these back-to-backs and it's just like they don't have it or is that to you like a bigger picture concern of like what's is this team just not mentally tough or whatever no i think i i think it's it it could be true it's just hard to make any firm statement on just given everything they're in right now and like again you have jason tatum saying over and over like i am not the same person i was before i had this debilitating disease right you know and i guess like so some people it's nothing for jason tatum clearly it was something uh and so it's hard to be too critical on that and again sometimes like you see jalen just looks like his body is is straight wearing down you know and I, and and other times he looks great but there are games he just looks absolutely gassed um and you can understand why uh, ooh, just got a text on my my Celtics thread, and it's a question that the, a friend of mine asked. I'm gonna throw it out to you. Good. Would you trade uh, Jalen for Carl uh, Anthony Towns? Uh, that's a really. I haven't watched a ton of Towns recently, but my gut says like no because he what? seems to be hurt a lot. No, he seems to be. <laughs> the the numbers are great. But like defensively, that's a big step down. I just I think you're probably better off having a versatile wing like Jalen building long term than uh, offense for a center that really hasn't played up to his potential for the last three years. I know, but you talk about like tough situations. Like if there's any reason for you know from on multiple and multiple levels that Car Anthony Towns could just kind of kind of fucking phoning phoning it in like like, i don't know how how much how motivated i'd be able to stay in 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 minnesota with all that's going on i mean that's fair um it would be interesting because i don't don't know it seems we talk about big time moves that you could make oh yeah i mean that that's where so that's and that's the question i mean like in those it would be really interesting if like uh, a blockbuster like that whether it was you know jalen or whoever happen now but i think again that the opportunity came and went for that with, with james harden and so i guess towns theoretically is the next big trader guy outside of bradley beal that's gonna you know potentially become available in the next calendar year or two but would you, would you trade jalen for bradley beal i mean if given the long-term implications with tatum probably um if, if assuming you have beal locked into extension i i'm not crazy about paying Beal like 40 plus million dollars because he's going to be you know that's what his his max money is going to be for as like a 10 plus year veteran um but to get those two guys locked into place I think you don't want to do that but if it push comes to shove and that's like it's another year from now and and Tam is pushing forward or whatever then I I think you, you probably have to think long and hard about it yeah I think so too and Jalen uh, in DC, it could be a, a, like a, he could hit the, hit the ground running on his future as like a senator. Oh, yeah. Just get Lots. the lay of the land a little bit. Well, I don't know. I don't. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to say goodbye to the Jays. But again, no. that, we we talk about this this next this next week. Even I know that, that like, there's still room to make moves in the summer, but this is going to define define the Jays era. And I know that they're certainly both young, but just the way it works in the NBA, you got to think that this championship window for the two of them together is, is somewhat, it's not, I'm saying it's closing, but, but it's, it's, it's going to start. The path is going to start showing itself. I mean, they, they still know? have three years guaranteed years together. So like after this year, so, but you're right. Like you don't want to, you don't want to throw a year away. And that is without 
building towards something else. And that is what I think they're in danger of right now with how the season is going. And so again, at the same time, like you say, you don't, you don't want to overreact to losing that one season and potentially do something that's going to hurt you for like those final two. Right. That's the sort of the middle ground that Danny's playing in. hundred percent. And so that's, and that's the, the rub right now. And, And on top of that, you have, uh, a crazy season with more teams in the playoff mix than ever. Um, and, uh, a condensed schedule. So the number of sellers out there, I mean, who's actually selling right now? Detroit. Sure. Houston. Minus the one player anyone wants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like no one, anyone in Detroit you want, like, yeah, you could get Wayne Ellington for a second round pick. Like I'd take Plumley. What's what's Plumley's contract? Is he, uh, he's got three years total on his deal, which he signed this year. I think like only eight, 80 years. So yeah, I mean, I guess, but then that's like, I mean, what are you going to get up for? You're, you're going to dump Tristan somewhere and take Plumley. Like, I guess yes. that makes uh, more. Without, without question. I, I, give me, give me Rob and Plumley as your two centers. I guess the Plumley passing would be a lot better than Tristan um, to put it very nicely. Oh, Plumley's averaging again. It's on a shitty team, but he did this. He did this to a certain extent in the minutes he had in Denver the last few years, but he's averaging 10, nine and almost four assists. Uh, almost a, a block and a steal a game, um, you know, doesn't shoot at all from three. So, it's, you know, kind of gets you there, but he's a solid, I think he's a solid guy to have as your fifth option on a, on a, on a starting uh, team. Well, what are you giving up for? Like, well, that's the, that's the question. That's like Detroit does like, you're not going to give up anything Detroit wants probably so that, but yeah, I, I agree with you in theory, like the, from a fifth standpoint, he makes more sense than like a Thompson. Especially that but, contract. Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. So that's, and then, I mean, Houston, again, you're not going to pay for rentals. So there's probably no one there that really strikes Eric a Eric Gordon coming up this summer? Eric Gordon, no, he's still got two years left, but the money's pretty bad. So I think that's, that's sure. it. And he just got hurt. So that's, that they're probably pissed about that because that, that loses a potential chip for them. So it's outside of like, and I've heard like Minnesota, like they're, they're looking to buy more than sell at this point because they're, they've been so bad for so long and they know that, you know, like, they need to start building towards something and that is tough to do if they're current personnel. So unless How about Orlando, man, 13 and 26. Yeah. Now, I mean, the, the fourth, fourth worst, worst record in the NBA, all of a sudden, I mean, what the, like, what, what are you doing? You, like we said, when we said this, we said this last, last podcast or one of the last few, like Vooch is not on the same timeline as these other guys. No. So that, I mean, that's a really intriguing name to watch. And then like, secondary guys like Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon that we've talked about forever. Like I feel like two of those three guys should probably move in the next week, but they've, that's another team that's been pretty, you know, stubborn about like, Hey, yeah, we want to see when everyone's healthy. Um, It doesn't make sense to us, but we're not the runs running the show down there. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just looking how many, how many playoff camps? I'm sorry if you hear a baby crying in the background right now, how many playoff series have, they want that have since since they since they beat the Celtics in uh in 09, right? Yep. Was that the Eastern Conference Finals or was that the uh Second? yeah, that was the conference finals. And then they they the Celtics beat them in 2010 in the conference finals and the right. So since that, right? Since since they lost to the Celtics in that conference finals. They haven't won a they haven't won a playoff series, is my guess. Right? <laughs> they, they have not. They have not. Stan Van Gundy, Jacques Vaughn, Borrego, Scott Skiles, Frank Vogel, Steve Clifford, none of these guys have been able to do it. And what's crazy is that dating back, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Vooch has been there for like nine years. That is nuts. Because he got him, 
I can't believe Philly traded him that in that like in the part right, of the Andrew, for, that was the Bynum, Bynum right? and, and that's what sent Dwight Howard to the Lakers, I believe, too, right? Right. Um, yeah, no, that was that was a steal for Orlando for Orlando, and they've been milking it ever since, but again, have zero to show for it. Yes. Vuce has never Vucevic has never won a playoff series. Uh, and he deserves to. And I think we like for all the the doom and gloom that we've that we've dropped the last however long we've been talking, that's a move. That Vucevic is a move where you're like, okay, like now now we're in business. Now you're talking right. about a Celtics team that is in the conversation with Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. Uh, and out again, what what will it take? Will, do, do other teams have more to offer if if Orlando is gonna actually part with Vooch? But like that that that's that that's the move for me. That's still. And I guess Harrison Barnes would be okay. Like at least that's uh, at least for this year a step forward. But Vooch is the one. That's that's the franchise altering move, in my opinion. And what's your what price are you willing to to hit for Vooch? If you're, I think he's, he's the only. I think he's the only guy on the market right now that I give up Rob for. Yeah. So I mean, Rob's probably a must. And he's um, doing it at the right time. If he's if he's gonna get moved, because man, like. The numbers he's putting up and the way just just the eye test or the numbers, uh, it's it's beautiful to watch Rob right now. And if you could ever, and he'd be he'd be a cool fit, I think, down there with, with oh some the, of those, uh, the athleticism, yeah, that that could be a fun a fun crew. So yeah, I think I would probably do it. And I and I, and I said this before, I don't think I would move Rob for for even Jeremy Grant, but for for Vooch, I'd do that. And then I don't know at that point, whatever else you want, right? Well, I mean, if, I'm not, I'm not giving up Marcus Smart. Oh, uh, that's my question. Are you giving yeah. up Rob? I think Rob smart and some draft capital has to get Orlando being like, okay, like we're considering this at least, but whether the Celtics are willing to go there I, is a whole nother question. I think so. Yeah. But All I right. mean, smart situation. It's he's not going anywhere now, but this off season, I mean, I think it's fair to guess like Kemba's future is in more question than smart right now, just given, you know, what smarts being a lifetime Celtic and how much everyone in the organization loves him. Not that they don't love Kemba just, and he's also making, you know, 40% of what Kemba's making, which is the bigger factor. Um, But I'll be curious to see with, you know, his deal does come up in another year and how in just that whole fit with the Jays and his fourth quarter decision-making if, if that's like in a, eventually come to a head at some point um yeah and, and on one hand like, like again so the 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 decision making and and by that we mean the shots selection yes. right um because i because on, on the other hand if you look at kemba versus uh versus marcus i think marcus does a little bit more of what the jays don't or don't always want to do versus kemba right the, oh just, yeah just just his defensive presence we're, right so kemba's an offensive asset uh Marcus is a defensive asset at times can be a plus on offense also can be a major negative at times. But I just think like, if you could ever, I think if you got in a situation where the Celtics were right, if you get Vooch or you put together a roster that is legitimately realistically a championship contender, I want to feel like maybe Marcus would step back a little bit or fall, fall into a role a little bit better in that situation. But I don't know, like (laughs) I'm not going to try to put Marcus in a box, but that would be my, my hope. Uh, and he could do more for you than, than I think Kemba does given everything. Right. Given the, in that, right. If he's willing to accept that kind of a role offensively, which he has some nights and then other nights um, he ends up taking (laughs) it just the, the ball finds him these pivotal spots of the games. And 
he tries to make something happen, which is, you know, he's got the balls to do that, but it just. Right. Like like the three, the three he got fouled taking down the stretch against Cleveland. Again, that was the one that worked out. I think he hit all three too, but given what everything else is happening in that game is the best shot in that situation. They pull up top of the key three pointer by Marcus. I don't know. And so that's, I mean, that's a conversation I think that just needs to have internally. And then, you know, that you hope that gets hashed out at some point, but it's something I think to keep an eye on here, but all right. So that's any points real quick, just, you know, as, just as we, you know, again, we've, we've, we've nitpicked with all these different players and you can do that. Like, like, like no one has been perfect, but also I think even if everything was perfect, I think if every player on this roster is playing up to their expectations or even exceeding to a certain extent, I still don't know if, if, if it's a championship roster. So I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, this is probably a good place to stop it because we're going to you know talk about the actual trade deadline on our next show. And we can get a little bit more specific about the guys other than Vooch and Harrison Barnes and whatever that Danny might be able to do. But for right now, that's the, I think the major takeaway is the Celtics are not a contender. Mark it down. March 18th, <laughs> 2021. Yeah, I said it. Rich put it there. Um, or as Danny H put it this morning on Touch and Rich, they do not have the the characteristics of a very good team right now. That's, um, that's one way to say it. Which yeah. is one way to put it nicely. But uh, yeah, so like Rich said, we will be back with you guys. Um, Going to have a big week next week with trade deadline coverage, some, some primer stuff on Monday, um, and plenty of other reactions throughout the rest of the week as news breaks, if any news breaks. Um, so hit up Rich at Rich underscore Levine. Hit me up at Brian T. Rob, and I'll be writing plenty of stuff over at Mass Lab. You can check out. Um, hit us up at Winning Plays Pod, and rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays Pod. Um, got some exciting news for you guys coming next month, so stay tuned for that as well. And that'll do it for us. Talk to you next week. <laughs>